Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast Friday night preview show. I am, of course, Stamford Chidge, uh, and as ever, the effusive Mr. Jonathan Kidd. Oh, how lovely to be described as effusive, Chidge. Yes, um, it's an adjective which I think is fitting for you. Your your hair is looking effusive tonight, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, it's growing a bit because of lockdown. Do you like my, uh, my beard? Yeah, yeah. I, sh- I shaved mine this week. Mason Mount. Yeah, I showed oh, that a little tufty bit. Has he got a tuft? Yeah, I've got a tuft. Yeah. It's called a soul patch. Soul patch. So is from... it? Yeah. Is okay. it? Well, I think Clayton and I are just going to call you tufty from now on. Of course, you've already oh, heard You've already cup. heard the dulcet tones of Mr. Clayton Beerman. Hello, mate. It seems like ages since we had you on the show, but actually it's probably only a few weeks. No, it is ages. Is I, it really? I feel, like, I feel like I've been jettisoned, yes. Oh, no. A forgotten no. man. No, I no, can't believe really. that. No. Um, I don't know. I mean, it all time all merges, doesn't it? it, it do you know uh, what it does, doesn't it? Very yeah. strange. May it's I say how, how handsome you're looking on your background, Clayton? You've got a very good background. Suits My background looks handsome. No, no, you look handsome as a consequence of your background. I actually thought he looked like a bit of a prison cell type effect. I mean, you'd never tell from the light in here that that's grey. Oh, well, that you? may be it, but it, it just looks striking. Thank you so much. It looks uh, it looks very professional, I have to say. Now, talking of professional, uh, you know, me, Clayton and JK, we are amateurs. We're just mere amateurs. But Adam Newsom from uh, Football.London is a professional it's so lovely to see you back again i think we're really enjoying having you and sam on on these shows really regularly it's lovely to have you as part of our little community adam oh thank you for having me back and yeah i'm sure i could speak for sam and say we're both really enjoying being on so uh, as long as you'll have us we'll uh, i'm sure be here well it's lovely to have you on board as i said um and and we're going to kick uh right off actually because of course we were saying weren't we before we went on air there's no no midweek game uh this week for us to talk about so really it's time to concentrate a little bit more on what's been happening in the news and of course you're very heavily involved with that um i think sam was at the presser today wasn't he reporting it on, was on, on the, on the... I was off today. You were off today. Nice. I mean, they, they give you days off at Football London, whatever next. <laughs> yes, I, I spent it looking after my two-year-old, so it wasn't the most relaxing day in the world, but there we go. No, no. Well, good luck with that. That's <laughs> all I can <laughs> say there, really. But um, Chelsea have got a very interesting week coming up. I mean, it's a tough game against uh, Southampton, even though they, they've been shocking recently. And, of course, there's an even tougher game uh, next week, which we're going to be previewing, <laughs> previewing properly on... Uh, on Monday night, in the fancast on Monday night. There seems to be a view on Football London that um, Tuchel may have one eye on Madrid in what he does to set up Chelsea tomorrow. Would you subscribe to that? I wouldn't be surprised if there are at least a couple of changes to the team with that in mind. Um, Just because, you know, as we've said, the, the relentless schedule Chelsea have been on since... Thomas Tuchel came in. I mean, he's been here three weeks and we've had, what, six games under him already. Um, So just in that respect, keeping the team fresh is important. But this Atletico game is not going to be easy. Um, So it wouldn't be be surprising if there are maybe one or two changes. I think we already know one, which is Dumendi's coming back in uh, for Kepa, which we can talk about, I'm sure, in a bit. But that makes sense just to give uh, Mendy some sort of match rhythm before that Atletico game. Um, and Andreas Christensen's going to start, I think, just because Thiago Silva isn't going to play. So there, there's at least two sort of selections we already know. Um, 
and yeah, I imagine there might be one or two more just a bit further up the pitch. Yeah, I mean, you're, I, I, I mean, I've done my homework. You would expect nothing less from me, and I, I've given all <laughs> the. Well, I, I mean, you know, I know I'm biased because because I write for it, you know, like like you do, obviously. But I do find it a really excellent uh, source of news, you know. And I scooted through a lot of them, you know, today thinking about the show tonight. Um, and I think another one of the inferences really was that. He, you know, we might glean a lot more about uh, next week from the side that he picks. So if he picks Conte, for example, then that means that Conte might not play next week and all sorts of other things therein. So it will be intriguing. One of the things I'm most intrigued by at the moment, really, as many of us are, in fact, we're going to talk about it a little bit later when we do our own preview. But do you think Havertz might get a game on Saturday or is he still a bit injured? Uh, yeah, I would be surprised if he was to start. I would hopefully see him in the squad. Um, it's interesting what's happened with Kai Havertz. Obviously, when Thomas Tuchel came in, there was a lot of talk about, oh, he's been brought in to get the best out of Timo Werner and he's been brought in to, be- uh, to get the best out of Kai Havertz. He's done that with Werner quite well. Uh, I think uh, Jonathan may have issues with me saying that but um <laughs> you were you were on the infamous yes. jonathan ramp show weren't you god your yeah. introduction to the chelsea fan calls which has been sold to you as an intelligent highbrow well-mannered chelsea podcast went absolutely tits up within about three minutes isn't it sorry about that adam i forgot that's all right i think i've erased uh, it from was, my memory me, i was goaded i was goaded <laughs> what who by <laughs> John? who would possibly goad you who? i wonder who <laughs> I think I think hopefully JK you know has maybe changed softened a bit on on Timo especially now he's got a goal. Um, so I think Thomas Tuchel has managed to to sort of reinvigorate Werner with Havertz. He obviously played against Wolves, was a sub against Burnley, and then has picked up this injury in training that we haven't really been able to pin down exactly what that was. Um, when Tuchel was asked about it, he was very. Um, to use the word again, he was effusive in his praise of, uh, of of Havertz, but he never, when you ask him about injury and he would talk about how great Havertz was and his potential, he never named what the injury was. Either way, that Kai's had a couple of weeks out, I don't think is the worst thing uh, for him um, because he's that spotlight has been taken off him entirely already. And when he does come back now, he would have had two weeks off or two weeks out of the side. He hasn't done all the travelling that the other lads have. Uh, and he's going to come back into a team that's playing... Maybe not playing well, but he's winning games and he's confident. So he should drop it, hopefully, back into this side that's now looking a lot more, um, is functioning perhaps a lot better than it was under uh, the end of Frank Lampard. Where will he play him, though? Good question. Um, in, in goal. <laughs> <laughs> I suspect we might see him playing as a 10 with the split strikers at some point. Um, but that is an interesting one because he could obviously play up front uh, as the. As he has well, done. Yeah, as he has done, uh, as he did at Leverkusen. But then he was more of a false nine, um, which is what Mount obviously occupied against Tottenham. Yeah. So, yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, but as, yeah, as I say, I do think this, this couple of weeks might actually prove, you know, even if he, he was recovering from a slight injury, I think it might be quite beneficial to him longer term just to maybe just reset a bit at Chelsea because it hasn't been easy for him for a lot of, a lot of different factors. Not, not all of them have been his or anything like that. I mean, you know, Havertz is going to be a very interesting conundrum for Chelsea for a while yet. And I I think, you know, it's good for people to to be reminded of the fact that he is still a very, very young man. You know, he's got a way to go, I think, before we see the best of him 
irrespective of any trouble that he's had. And of course, he's had a lot of trouble with the COVID and stuff. But I think the interesting thing for me, I mean, Jonathan's right. Where does he play? And, I, I, I you know, we, we talked about this when Frank was in charge, that he's got this issue of trying to, you know, fit all these different players into, you know, only few positions. Adam, what, what, what do you think Havertz's best position is? Or is he one of these frustrating players that is actually so good in lots of positions it's really hard I mean we had the same discussions about Mount last season I recall you mm. know what is his best position because he can play so many I think we saw I think you know a Leverkusen he proved that he can have uh, a very good role to play as a false nine or he can be very effective as that false nine who drifts off the, the defenders and drops into areas or and then sort of makes runs late into the box the problem with him to, at Chelsea doing that is I thought it was quite interesting that Thomas Tuchel said on uh, Monday, I think it was with Sky, that he said, you know, Timo is a guy who works best with a fixed striker. And the problem, or not problem, but the reality, if, if that is the case, is then you are always going to have to play one of Tammy uh, or Giroud if you want to essentially get the best out of, of Timo Werner, which occupies two of those forward roles. And then you've got Hakim Ziyech, Christian Pulisic, Kai Havertz, Mason Mount, and, you know, and potentially Callum Hudson-Odoi all vying for the other position if if you do want to do that fixed striker and team of Werner. Um, which, as you say, this, this was a problem that Lampard had uh, and he struggled with because he just couldn't get everybody in. Um, and, you know, the, they're, Chelsea are probably one attacking player heavy. But then saying that, if you were to, t- you know, gun to a Chelsea fan's head at this point and say, who, which one of those would you want to go? I don't think that's an incredibly easy decision to, to take because they've all got their own qualities and they will bring something a little bit different to this team. So, yeah, good luck, uh, Thomas Tuchel, for the rest of the season trying to keep everyone happy because I think we've already seen with Hakim Ziyech, you know, he's, he's barely played under Tuchel. He played against Wolves and then wasn't great against Barnsley and that's all he's had really so far. 26 so. touches. Uh, it gave the ball away 26 times. So yeah, I- he. Uh, I was there that night, obviously, and he wasn't, um, he wasn't great, but I think we've all seen his quality and oh, indeed. bring so um magical left foot a wand of a foot hence the magician nickname um indeed. but yeah it's it's not if an he easy was a magician conundrum. adam why was he wearing his invisibility cloak against barnsley hey, tush. <laughs> clayton um uh there's been a lot of news this week about uh um a certain Mr. Kepper, Aritha Balaga, and of course you are our resident goalkeeper expert. Now he's he's had two games in a row, obviously kept clean sheets in both. Everybody was surprised that he played uh, last week, and of course Tuchel shrewdly was very clear that, as I said on Monday's show, das ist klar that he's basically Mendy is his number one, and that's it. Uh, and there's some interesting pieces. I mean, you know, Football London picked it up, The Athletic picked it up. Uh, he's obviously done an interview with somebody. Um, you know, saying that he doesn't really bear any grudges to Frank and he understood why, you know, he didn't get selected. What do you make of it all? What do you make of this attempt to rehabilitate Kepper? Uh, well, I, like everybody else on social media, when I saw the team news on Monday, went absolutely batshit crazy. Uh, because the worst thing that has happened is that Tuchel, obviously with his good start, has has now given us some hope again, of a top four finish. And the last thing you want to do is jeopardise a top four finish. And perception was that by bringing Kepper in, that's exactly what you were doing. It's okay playing him against the championship side in the FA Cup. 
uh, and he did okay. Uh, but then playing him in a game, a league game, was perceived to be a risk. But, you know, football's a lot about statistics and you're playing against a team who basically had the lowest shots on goal ratio in the Premier League, who were basically missing their best striker. And so the risk was slightly limited. But, but even saying that, it is still a risk. And the biggest problem that we've got at the moment is scoring goals. So had we gone one up, uh, I mean, obviously we went two up, so it didn't become an issue. But had we gone one up and been hanging on like we have been in a lot of the games that Tuchel's been boss, all it would have taken was one ricket and that could have cost us quite dear. Now, I know it's all hypothetical because it didn't happen, but personally, I just think playing him was utter madness. I really did. I just, Why did he play him? What was that all about? I've what got big because because as I just said, I think he perceived that the risk was minimal. No, oh, indeed. But that, why why play him in the first place? Just to give Mendy a a, a rest? What was that? Well, he, he he talked some gubbins about physically and mentally resting. Nah, Edu, I'm not buying which that. Was I'm not buying that. Utter bollocks on the basis he hadn't played for a week. Um. I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, you know, social media went into meltdown and I was one of the absolute numpties on there who went into meltdown with them because basically, you know, the general perception was why put yourself in that position if you don't have to? Now, there was lots and lots of gubbins about the board had told um, yeah, that was him yeah. that he had to play. Well, that, that I, you know, Thomas Tuchel, if you read anything about Thomas Tuchel, if the board tell him to do anything, he's getting his coat and he's off. Yeah. That's, that's just not a thing. Whether he perceived that, you know, if Edu has a ropey period, it's good to have somebody, a confident backup. But Caballero could be that confident backup. I mean, God bless him. You know, we all fall for, feel for Kepa, uh, but not the expense of results. I, I just, I think to play him in the league game is madness, and I got absolutely no idea why he did it. Well, Adam, hang on a second. Just one second. It's interesting how Clayton can be unbelievably rude about Kepa, and rightly so. And I am unbelievably rude about Kepa, and I'm vilified on Twitter for doing so, of not giving the boy a chance. And yet here he is, and he's the keeper, and he knows, and we share the same feelings, and yet he's allowed. Not a word will be said, because Clayton knows I, I, I have the answer to this, JK. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you're not going to like it. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, actually... And I've set myself up here for no, something. No, no, I'm, yes, I'm, I'm, no. I'm going to break the habit of a lifetime and not be incredibly unkind and rude to JK. I mean, the bottom oh, line you. is, mate, is that life is just horribly unfair. Oh, and that's, I, that's that's why. I didn't need a platitude. Anyway, I need... listen, I want to I want to talk. To, I want to hear from what Adam because Adam, yeah, absolutely, Adam wanted sorry, to Adam. come in, and I, I, Adam might have some information that we don't have. So, Adam, yeah. please come in with the point you were going to make. Uh, I, I imagine, and I think, uh, well, I don't imagine, Thomas Tuchel said this uh, or was asked this last week uh, in his press conference before the game, whether or not Kepa was essentially in a similar position as Havertz and Werner in the sense he was a very expensive signing and an asset that Chelsea need to be rebuilt, basically. Um, and he, he said, you know, every player within the squad... Etc. Etc. No matter how much they cost, usual manager response. But he didn't 
dismiss that at all. So I think there is the reality there that Chelsea paid an awful lot of money for Kepa, and a ridiculous amount of money. But you know they were kind of forced into it because of Courtois. But that seventy-one odd million quid is something that Chelsea just can't write off. Um, and at the moment, what would what would Kepa's value be in the wider sort of trans market? I don't think it would be extremely high. Um, so Chelsea do have to try and find a way to sort of get his value back up. Um, and I don't think he's going to be the number one goalkeeper going forward. But Chelsea do have to protect their asset, basically, and try and show the world he's not as bad as he potentially has been at Chelsea. That That is a highly intelligent analysis of it, Adam, and I, I don't really disagree with that at all. But what I would say is, if that's the case, why don't they use the tried and trusted, trusted method, which is to loan the bloody player out so he proves, rehabilitates himself and rebuilds his career away from causing any destruction and damage to Chelsea, you know. So ship him off to a club in Spain, none of whom have got any money, by the way. So actually they'd be getting a good deal because they wouldn't be having to spend whatever Chelsea would want to, you know, uh, char- you know tr- uh, charge them the mm. transfer fee. And he can rebuild his career in an environment where he's happy. I mean, it, 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 I cannot understand why that hasn't, isn't happening because it's the most sensible solution for everybody. And he may be. he may end up you know looking good in in La Liga and somebody might be prepared to spend forty fifty million on him. Okay, Maybe. twenty. <laughs> but, but you I, see, I, the, the thing the thing is, sorry to interrupt. The the thing is, and this was mentioned on social media. You know, the whole thing, and you're quite right. They want to protect their investment. They've screwed up, and and the person who screwed up does not want to take the fall for this, because. However rich our owner is, spunking 70 million without any sort of comeback is not good news. And the fact that whoever scouted him, whoever bought him, has basically not fallen on their sword or gone away, we'll never know who it was. That That's the bottom line. But when you talk about investment, this club has shown, by the way they heartlessly got rid of the old manager, rightly or wrongly, it's all about top four. And top four is all about money. So you have to weigh up, is it a bigger risk to lose the depreciation on the goalkeeper or lose the Champions League place? That, that for me, was the question. And I, I think, you know, the club is driven by getting into the top four and making Champions League. That's what all their decisions are based on. So, you know, on the one hand, they don't want to lose the 70 million. And on the other hand... They jeopardise it mm. by, you know, not getting shot at this guy. I, but, do I mean, you know, what normal club will take him, though? I think that's, yeah, the reality of it is, I think, yeah, Tuchel very much did a calculated gamble against Newcastle and it worked. But surely, um, surely driven by the board. We've gone around in a circle here. Why would he play him unless the board said to him, we really want to give him an opportunity to play, to be in goal at some time early so we can, so we can put him in the shop window? Okay, so being I, being very cynical about this, yeah. Tuchel knew that he was good. You know, when 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 Tuchel took the job, I'm sure one of them was we need to integrate X players. We need to, you know, we've got all these players, and Kepper was on that list. And you have to think that Tuchel played him against Barnsley. He made a great save in the first couple of minutes, a really good save, and presumably walked off that pitch twenty foot high. Felt good about himself. So he would have been almost five foot ten then. 
<laughs> uh, harsh but fair. So basically, Tuchel has made a decision by saying, we're playing Newcastle. They don't score any goals. Their top scorer's out. I can risk him in this game. Right. And that's what he did. And therefore, he's got the board off his back and said, look, well, I did play him in a couple of games. Then I it's also, but that, that's the only thing that makes sense. Or perhaps what? he was trying him to see whether he thought he was yeah. better than Mindy. I just want to leave the final word to Adam because we've got to move on in a minute because we've got uh, our guest waiting in the wings. But uh, Adam, I mean, by all means, answer JK's point. But you... I I don't think, as we said, I don't think Tuchel would just do something because he was asked to by the board unless he um, truly believed in it. Um, it was probably smart man management on his part to play Kepa against Newcastle because it was a calculated gamble and one that pays off. He's been true to his word then of making sure everyone gets a chance, um, which is what he said quite early on. Um, and so, you know, yeah, it's easy to forget that Kepa wasn't always really bad. Um, he was Spain's number one goalkeeper. And there is a goalkeeper in there that is talented. I wouldn't be surprised and this isn't based on uh, facts or inside information, it's just a hunch. I wouldn't be surprised if he does go out on loan in the summer. He's still got five years left on his contract Amazing. or four years. So, yeah, got a um, seven year contract. Jesus yeah, so he would have four years. There's nothing potentially against Chelsea loaning him out for two years of that and then hopefully seeing a return on their investment two years down the line. But, um, but yeah, I think it's hard to f- remember that Kepa wasn't always this bad and that. Yeah, there is a good goalkeeper in there so mm. um who knows maybe Tuchel can unlock that but um but I don't think he's going to be number one maybe, maybe Tuchel's more of a magician than Hakim Ziyech if <laughs> that's the case um Adam before I let you go have you got anything coming up any big articles coming up next week to uh, delight us what are you planning uh we will obviously have quite a lot going on with the Atletico Madrid game be a lot of stuff around that, uh, and I will, should have quite a good interview with somebody. I can't say who it is just yet, uh, but it's not a current Chelsea player. It's a former Chelsea player who, uh, yes, I'm hoping that when, works out. When's it coming out? Uh, probably after the Atletico game, right. but we'll see. Uh, we'll see. All right. Well, you, you well, I look, I'll look out for that one definitely, as I'm sure everybody would. You might even get one from me if I pull my finger out this weekend. Uh, as they say, as they say, Adam, hold the back page or something like that. Um, Adam, uh, as always, delightful to see you. Uh, hopefully, we'll get you back on very soon. Uh, but uh, enjoy the game tomorrow. Are you are you covering it, or is this, is Sam doing it tomorrow? Oh yeah, I'll be there. You'll be uh, da- you'll be, be down nice. at St Mary's. I will be, and I'm looking forward to covering a game which isn't in sub-zero temperatures. So that'll be well, a, a nice treat. Well, so, um... give me a wave on your way down when you get on the M3 when you go past Winchester. Give me a wave. <laughs> all right mate lovely to see you you take care and we'll see you very um, soon yep see you later guys have a good evening we will and you thank you bye brilliant that's uh adam newson from London. there a uh, lovely lovely man chelsea fan and also a fan of the chelsea fan because he used to listen to the chelsea fan cast before he got the job at football london so how about that now uh we're gonna have a quick break and then when we come back we've got the lovely steve grant from the total saints podcast to talk opposition view southampton all of that we'll see you in a sec Fans, real I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. 
footballfancast.com. Right, welcome back uh, for part two of the Chelsea Fancast Friday Night Preview Show. And of course, uh, it is now time for this. The Opposition View. And on tonight's Opposition View, I love this. This is, you know, because we had loads of them, you know, in the first half of the season. Now they're all coming back. So we we clearly didn't upset any of them because they've all said yes so far. Uh, And the latest uh, to say yes again is the lovely Steve Grant from Total Saints Pod. How are you, mate? You well? Yeah, very good, thanks. How's everyone else? Well, we're we're good, I think. Are we, Jonathan? Are you good? I'm competing here with Dubai by just having uh, the world as my background. Here. You're, you're <laughs> looking like God, mate. But then we knew that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Clayton, you well? I am very well. I'm very jealous. What's the weather like in Dubai at this time of the year, Steve? Um, pleasant. Yeah, it's about sort of high twenties. Um, so yeah, it's. Uh, pretty good for a sort of pasty white Englishman like like me. Um, <laughs> give it about three or four weeks and it'll be well into the mid-30s, I think. So, uh, uh, so it's not misly shites like we've got here. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it's all relative, isn't it? Well, I think I'm beginning to think that living, I mean, as you know, Steve, if you remember from the last part, I'm in Winchester, so not far from uh, from Southampton at all. And I'm beginning to think that I should have been born with webbed feet because it's so bloody wet here. It would have aided and abetted me getting around. Now, uh, first thing I really want to talk about is is obviously Southampton. But, I mean, you lot have been in horrendous form. Uh, you've lost your last six. Uh, and yet you had a great start to the season. You were even top of the league at one start. I had all my all my best mates from when I was at school were on the phone to me very quickly pointing out where Southampton were in the league compared to Chelsea. But what on earth has happened? Um, injuries, schedules caught up with us. I mean, the, the pressing game that we play, um, I think, naturally is... A pretty risky strategy in a in a season like this where everything is knocked down you've probably got a month less of actual game time available to you so you're playing a lot a hell of a lot more midweek games um i mean the christmas schedule was actually relatively kind to us um compared to previous years i think we had i think four days between each game whereas in previous years we've had we've had the sort of um most compact schedule of, of everybody so we kind of got off lightly a little bit which kind of explained why we were able to then beat Liverpool um, shortly after New Year. Um, But it's basically since that game that everything's kind of fallen to pieces. Um, Key players being injured, a little bit of a lack of form. um, I mean, a run of absolutely extraordinary refereeing decisions that have gone against us. Um, Surprise there. Well, yeah, it's... It's dreadful. Referees are dreadful. Oh, they're 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 appalling. Um, and I mean, the, but the problem I think the problem is that they're not being they're kind of not being helped out by the system. I think. Um, I mean, I don't want to kind of turn this into a into a referee rant. I mean, I'm I'm. You'll, you'll be here for an hour if you start, Jake. Well, yeah, that's, 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 that's the worry. Um, I'm I'm kind of in favour of VAR broadly as a concept. Um, but the problem is that the referees are managed by Mike Riley, and he's one of the most pathetic um, uh, specimens ever to have um, taken up taken a whistle um, in the Premier League. So, him being in charge of all of them, it, I mean, what we're seeing is kind of probably what most people will have expected from it's that. Cronyism, complete cronyism. They're oh, all it's, it's nuts, um, and it's. Um, I mean, what, what more? What more? Um, 
what more could people do? I mean, they, they brought in this system, the, the science and the mathematics behind all the offside stuff is, is in place. And yet they've got a former PE teacher, a former police officer, um, and various people who have come from non-mathematical or scientific backgrounds trying to draw lines with sort of isometric <laughs> angles and all this sort of stuff. Leave it to the scientists. They're the one. They're the ones that know that. Let the and let the video referee deal with subjective things like fouls and handballs and stuff. Although, I mean, they're obviously making a complete pig's ear of them as well at the moment. Yeah. One thing I can tell you, Steve, just to make you feel a little bit better about tomorrow, is that you've got one thing on your side, and that's the fact that Anthony Taylor's the referee, and he hates Chelsea. <laughs> so, you know, expect a few sendings off, some very dodgy, controversial penalty decisions. So you will actually have 12 men playing for you tomorrow, not 11, which is probably well, a good thing, actually, Steve. That's going to be enough. But... Well, I was going to say, I mean, I know for a fact that Walker, Peters, Diallo and Walcott are all out. Um, I mean, yeah. how, how big a miss are all those three going to be for you? Um, Walker, Peters is the main one. Um, I mean, Walcott was brought in on deadline day, I think, back in... Christ, whenever that was, beginning of beginning of October. Um, and everyone kind of thought, well, he'll be a bit part player, and but he'll be useful with his experience and you know, he's still got a fair bit of quality as well. Um, but he ended up actually playing every, playing every game because other people got injured. Um, and bad, then, though, he's impressed. I've been every he's, time he's been, been yeah, he's been pretty good. Um, he's been to be honest, he's been a lot better than I expected him to be. I kind yeah, of thought, yeah. what are we doing here? Um, guy on big wages come, coming in with nothing to prove. And you kind of think, well, that's not really the sort of signing that we tend to make. Um, but fair play to him. He's, he's, been, he's been excellent. And I mean, one, one of the big things with him is, you know, with Walcott, he's always going to say the right thing in, in public as well. He's, <laughs> yeah. he's, he's, very, he's a very nice man. Very good. He's, he's, a, he's, a lo- he's a lovely guy and he's very well media trained. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's... It, so all the sort of homecoming stuff, they the club went big on it, and he kind of embraced it, and it and and it's it's been it, to be fair, it's been great with him. Um, Diallo has kind of, has only played sort of two two or three games from the start um, when Romeo got injured over Christmas, so we've not seen a huge amount of him, but he's been impressive. Um, but actually, actually, I don't think we'll miss we'll miss him too much because Romeo and War Prowse are both available, and they'll play they'll play that that role. Romeo always seems always seems to step up against Chelsea. I'm, I mean, it makes sense because he used to play for them. But I'm always he always just seems to to be in the mix. I'm all impressed by. Can I just ask a few questions? I've always been a Redmond fan, Nathan Redmond fan. Is he has he been firing hot and cold? Has it not been happening this season for him? Uh, mostly cold this season, I think. Right, right. Um, he he had a he had a spell just before lockdown last season where he was looking kind of back to his best. Um, but I think the, the three-month break didn't help him in the slightest. And right. he's not quite got back to it. He's had a couple of niggly injuries. And when he has come back in, he's he's been, yeah, a little bit hit and miss. Um, he was good against Wolves in the Cup last week, but then was basically anonymous in the league game three three days later. So, I don't understand that. He's so talented. Because there are yeah, some games you just watch. Toss a coin, I think, at he's, times. He's run it. He's run it. Has Minamino been any good coming in? Uh, he was excellent at Newcastle, um, although standing out in standing out in a team that managed to lose to nine men is is probably not that difficult. Um, but he was, I mean, I, I barely noticed him on on the pitch for an hour against Wolves. Um, he obviously couldn't play in the cup games; he was cup tied. Sure. 
Um, but it, yeah, in the, in the league game, I mean, it was weird because we because we played really well first half, and yet he was really peripheral, um, barely noticed him at all. And um, yeah, I mean, didn't didn't improve second half. Took him off fairly quickly to um, to change the system around a little bit. Mm, interesting stuff. Um, Ings, of course. I would oh. say is the main threat. I think he's a very, very good player. Wonderful player. He's a, win- wonderful, he's, a win- wonderful he's a Winchester boy, isn't he, uh, Steve? If I recall, am I right in that? Uh, quite. I think he was born in Winchester. Yeah. All the best people are Steve. From, I have to say. I think he's based in um, either Fulham or Hive. Yeah. Yeah. I knew he was. I, I'm sure. He, so him and Wayne Bridge both. Uh, yeah. And me, all born in Winchester. Surely there's some link there somewhere. But anyway, oh, it, you were born in Winchester. Children. I was, I was, I was, I was born in the Crow's Nest, as it's called, oh, which is, is the pub uh, somewhere. No, no, that's the County Arms next door, mate. But oh, okay. the Winchester Hospital is a very old Victorian hospital, right on the top of uh, of the hill, and right at the top was where the maternity unit was in those days. This is back in the dark ages, obviously, because I am that old. And it's it's colloquially known as the crow's nest because it's right at the top. Anyway, we digress. Danny Ings, Steve, um, great player, I think. Um, he's been a bit in. I mean, as a Saints fan, I'm sure you probably always worry about his his proneness to injury. Uh, how fit is he at the moment? Um, difficult to difficult to tell. Um, I mean, his performances have been fine. Um, been a couple of games where he's where he's been really quiet, but I, I don't know whether that's necessarily him or that's just where the team's been playing badly. Um, so yeah, it's it's a tough one. I mean, I think the the Wolves Cup game helped him a hell of a lot. Where I mean, it was the old the archetypal um, ball goes ball goes in off your shin and you get a little bit of luck and all of a sudden you might go on a, go on a bit of a run. Obviously, scored that um, cracking volley in the league game on. Um, uh, last weekend, so hopefully he's now sort of in the sort of in the start of a, a, another of those um, good runs. Because I mean, let's be let's be brutally honest, we need it. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. Now, um, you may or may not know this, but you, you probably would surmise it. But um, you know, Southampton away is is hugely loved uh, by a lot of the Chelsea match going fans, uh, especially me, because of course it's a win. Well, well, there, yeah. Well, I mean, we've done very well recently. Obviously, I think it, we, we've got a five game, five game, last five games down there. We've we've been unbeaten, but I mean, over and above that, it's just a great outing. A lot of you know, you, you bump into a lot of people you don't normally bump into. Of course, for me, it's great. I just I hop on the train at Winchester, and all my mates have come down from London, and it's a great. We we all go to the Giddy Bridge, get absolutely hammered on cheap beer, and it's just a great day out. And and we. A lot of talk on Twitter today from a lot of the people that I tend to go with down there will be bemoaning the fact that we're not allowed to go and it's one of our, our favourite away fixtures. Um, I mean, are you surprised to hear that? Um, I mean, you must be missing it as well, but for very different reasons, of course. Yeah, I, mean, I think everyone's always got those those sort of two or three away games. If, they're, if, if you're an away regular, you've got a handful of games that you always particularly look forward to every year. Um, now, for me, um, I would say probably Palace is usually one of them because it's basically on my doorstep in Croydon. Mm. Um, Trying to think what other ones. Villa's usually a, Villa's always a good one. Yeah, um, always always a good always a good drink up. Um, and Newcastle for for a weekend. Apart from the way you have to bloody walk up all those stairs. 
oh yeah but then when you when you've when you've had 10 points you kind of <laughs> um, you don't really think about it do you and if if anything those 14 flights of stairs are going to sober you up a bit <laughs> there is that there is that well i i for one will really miss it because it's it, it's 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 a really good fun away i think i think the other thing that i like about it I, i've actually figured out what it is it's because i can have a few drinks afterwards and not worry about a long trip back because it's only about 20 minutes up the road for me so <clears throat> it kind of extends the drinking day considerably but i mean look you 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 correctly alluded to the fact that we're on a really really good run down there steve five games last five games down at st mary's we 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 won every one um you've lost your last six you're getting into that territory now where you've really got to win a match um, of course, this immediately worries me because we're, we're brilliant at, at, at playing teams that are struggling back into form. But in all seriousness, how, how do you see it going tomorrow? I think it's going to be a struggle. Um, I mean, you've got a Mandarin who absolutely knows what he's doing um, and seems to already be getting a tune out of, um, out of the players who perhaps either weren't playing or weren't um, performing under, under Frank Lampard. So that's a concern. Um, but for once, we've actually had a full week to prepare for a game. So I'm hoping that we're going to be a little bit fresher in the legs. Um, that might help us a little bit. Um, and I mean, if if Anthony Taylor does absolutely detest Chelsea's as you cl- as you claim he does, it's then true, maybe we, maybe we we might finally get a decision go in our favour for um, for the first time in um, in some time, probably before since before Christmas, I think it's the last um, sort of proper sort of 50-50 call that's gone our way in a big, big decision. Mm. R- Romeo will kick Kovacic and Kovacic will be sent off. That's the kind of thing that takes. <laughs> um, can I just ask you, Steve, is it, do you think it's that because of the way he plays, um, uh, he likes the press enormously. Do you think they've just got knackered and that has been the reason why that they, they've, they've not been at their best? In which case, a week off might might then uh, be, be be very beneficial to them in terms of playing the way they were playing before the uh, um, the, the run of six games, because yeah, they were very possibly. impressive before the six games. It was yeah. it was really good to see, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think we'd we'd kind of um, started to see the effects of of the schedule over Christmas. Um, Fulham away and West Ham at home, both nil nil draws. Both fairly unimpressive games from both sides, to be honest. But from a from an attacking perspective, we were fairly anemic, and that was that seemed to be basically we just we just lacked a bit of energy, a little bit of a um, little bit of sort of go get them type attitude. Um, and I think yeah, having having to play Saturday Saturday Wednesday or Sunday Thursday or however however you want to uh, divide the week up um, just doesn't give them enough recovery time at the moment. Um, particularly with um, obviously with the COVID restrictions, there are certain areas of the training ground that are no go areas. So there's a there's a lot of the specialist recovery things like the swimming pool and the um, cryotherapy chambers and stuff that apparently we're not allowed to use. Really, um, which I mean surprises me given that basically it's there's there seems to have basically been three three teams in the whole of the Premier League who have been really badly hit by injuries. Obviously Liverpool because nobody ever shuts the hell up about it. Um, <laughs> but also Leicester. Um, Leicester have had Leicester have had an absolute bucket load of injuries as well. Um, and they also play a similar sort of um, high pressing counter attacking game. And I do wonder whether 
it's that style in this in this condensed season is is having having an effect. Although we haven't really seen Leeds have any um, big injury um, issues um, so far. So I mean, maybe, maybe that's maybe that's kind of been saved up, and and that will hit them at some point in the in the running. But yeah, I, I do I do think the, um, the style doesn't doesn't help from that um, from that perspective. Um, but ultimately, when you when you take a fairly pragmatic view of it, we're, all twenty clubs are in the are in the same boat. Um, it's just that we've got we've obviously got a smaller budget than probably half the teams in the league. And as a result, we got a smaller squad. Mm. Um, so when when an injury hits our first team, the player coming in isn't anywhere near as good. Whereas, say, if Chelsea were to lose, obviously Pulisic is, I assume, is is still out for this weekend. If he's out, then you can substitute in Hudson Odoi, or you can um, move Mason Mount into a different position. Or I mean, you you've got loads of different options. Um, we just don't have that um, flexibility. That's a really good point, actually, Steve. Because I, I, I'm, I like Hassan Hootel a lot. Actually, I think he's a very, very canny manager, and of course, he know he knows Tuchel very well from his Leipzig days. But it was really interesting to hear uh, what he was saying about Chelsea under Tuchel and what he feels that Tuchel has done. But he was very, we've used the word several times tonight. He was effusive in his praise of Tuchel, but also very, very impressed with the quality and the depth of Chelsea's squad, which I think us as Chelsea supporters, tend, you know, we tend to overlook that a bit. It's quite interesting to hear that, you know, from the outside looking in, as it were. Steve, I'm going to nail nail your colours to the mask, my friend. How do you see it, you know, how do you see it going? What's the score going to be? I, th- I think we'll score, because I, I don't think, I think defensively there's, there's still issues there for you. Um which I mean, playing against Wolves and Burnley teams that don't want to bother attacking isn't isn't necessarily um, sort of covering up too well. Um, but in the attacking sense, you're 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 still a still a brilliant attacking side. And they can't shoot, Steve. Remember that they can't shoot, Steve. So you know, well, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, but then <laughs> but then we'll we'll give you we'll give you chances to tap it in from three yards. So. Ah. Um, so yeah, we'll I, need I, that. Any, anything over no, three still yards, no guarantee. Yeah, exactly. No. Yeah, I, I, I just, I just can't. Unless something weird happens fairly early in the game that that gives us a huge um, sort of boost, I think, I think we're gonna, we're probably gonna struggle. Um, so I think it's probably gonna be, probably looking at a three-one wow. away win. I'd settle for that all week long. Uh, Steve, as always, you've been fantastic. How's the How's the Total Saints podcast going? Yeah, it's going well. Um, yeah, just just nailed our hundred fiftieth episode um, during the week. Actually, we did a we had a sort of commemorative special uh, interviewing Laurie McMenemy, um, sort of looking back at obviously seventy six, uh, the team we had in the in the early eighties when obviously we bought uh, Kev, the reigning European Footballer of the Year, Kevin Keegan, um, which obviously caught everybody completely on the hop. Um, I mean, you, you would absolutely never be able to pull off that sort of transfer move these days. Um, and yeah, hearing, hearing how, how all that got, got put together and they, they ended up in, um, I'm doing the unveiling in the Potter's Heron Hotel in between Romsey and Winchester. I don't, don't know yeah. if you've been there. No, I know it well. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, just the, just the, the shock that, shockwaves that that sent through through the game and and the brilliant attacking side that we had under him in the early 80s mm. um yeah that was that was um that was a great 
uh, great interview for, for the Excellent. guys to well, do. Well, brilliant. No, I, I actually, funny enough, because I was, I was, you know, I, I finally followed you on, on Twitter and uh, or Total Saints Pod on Twitter, and I saw that that episode was pinned, and I've immediately quote tweeted it to my, my best mate, who's a massive Southampton fan. And of course, that day in 76 was the greatest day in his life. So he will he will no doubt love listening to that. And uh, I mean, I've, I'm sure I told you this story last time we were on, but I was at, actually at the semi-final, um, you know, uh, at Stamford Bridge because uh, everybody, oh, yeah, yeah, everybody at Hampshire went. So in, no, in, a, pa- in a in a well, you were a blood- well, yeah, because you, yeah, of course you would have been because yeah, of course because you. My dad got me a ticket. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking. Why would you be a, a, a non-Chelsea match? But yeah, anyway. Anyway, so yeah, a parallel universe. I could have been a Southampton fan, you see, because, you know, maybe that was the plan. Got up lightly. Well, maybe I did. No, I mean, at the time, I wouldn't have said that. And then, then no. subsequently in the 80s and the early 90s. But uh, bizarrely, it was it was because I went to Stamford Bridge and I'd never been to a ground like that before. And I just fell in love with it. And I just didn't want to be like like my mates. You know what it's like at school. Some, some... Was it the novelty of having cars parked behind the goal? It was just the novelty. <laughs> it was the novelty of being taken to London for a day out. I was about 11, yeah. 12. So taken to London for a big day out. My, this will make you giggle. My dad's a Portsmouth fan. So my only previous... Yeah, exactly. My, my only previous uh, experience of a football match was when I was about seven. And he took me down to Fratton Park. And I oh, think they were in the third division then. And even at seven, I realised that what was being played out before me was absolute dog shit. And it was also incredibly violent. And I was only a very small little seven-year-old. So dad actually gave up. He never took me back. And then just so happened that he got a couple of tickets to the semi-final, took me there. And I mean, obviously, he's not a Saints fan. So I don't think he was putting any pressure on me to support anybody, really. Just wanted to go for the laugh. And, uh, and the rest, as they say, is history. So there you go. What could have so- been? <laughs> Anyway, I'll leave you to dwell on that, Steve. Sorry, mate, you're saying? Lucky escape. <laughs> well, thank you. Steve, lovely to see you again. Uh, and uh, enjoy the rest of your stay out in the warmer climes, you lucky boy. And uh, you never know. We'll get. We hopefully we'll get to speak to you again next season. I'll look forward to that. Well, there might be a might be an FA Cup semi final coming up. There may be Perhaps. indeed. Well, there we go. If 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 there is, I mean, it's funny actually because. Uh, you know, we've got Sheffield United in the next round and uh, we've had uh, the lovely Ben, the travelling blade, on a couple of times. He's already he's already gearing himself up for his hat-trick of appearances this season. So we're welcoming, welcoming him back. So we'll do the same for you if we do meet you in the semi-final. Excellent. Sounds good. All right, mate. You take care. Lovely to no, see you. And thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you, guys. See ya. Brilliant. That's the lovely Steve Grant there from uh, Total Saints podcast. Uh, uh, lucky boy to be in Dubai, I have to say at the moment. But uh, he could have been anywhere. No, I think he was. I don't think he's the kind of. He, he doesn't look like the kind of bloke who would lie. Like maybe hey, you or me. Got a sofa. It's always his sofa. How would we know? How would, How would we know? We know? Well, I mean, I look as if I'm on. I'm, I'm on a satellite. You look. You look like God. We've already already done that yeah. one. Anyway, listen. We're going to have a quick break, and then we, when we come back, we're going to. Uh, give you our preview of Southampton versus Chelsea. See you in a minute. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Footballfancast.com Right, welcome back. Uh, I am Stanford Chidge, and you are listening to the Chelsea Fancast Friday Night Preview Show. 
Uh, and I've got the lovely Jonathan Kidd, as always. I love you to be on the show, Kidd. Always a delight, and uh, even more of a delight, if I can possibly be that rude and say so. Uh, did that really come out of my mouth? Yes, it did. The absolutely stupendous Mr. Clayton Beerman. Hello. Always lovely get, to see you. I'll mate. get me caught. Get me caught. <laughs> I really miss you guys. I mean, this is great and all, but I, I mean, I haven't seen Clayton for a beer for so long, man. It's just ridiculous. Forever. Forever. You know, in the day. I, I, I was saying this to Dan. Dan was on the show on Monday. And, Dan, uh, Dan. Dan. I know. Dan. And actually, the last football match I was at. I got horrendously drunk with Dan, and I haven't seen him since. I haven't had a beer with him since, obviously, because of all the lockdown shit and everything. Which was your last game? Was it was it the Everson game. No, it was no because I was up at a wedding in Glasgow for that. So it was, so the, the, Sp- Spurs yeah, game. It was the Spurs game. Was I? I was Jonathan's honoured, esteemed guest, and you came in and you said, "I can't drink anything because I've got the meeting." Yes, I didn't do. You? I, I was so pissed. I ruined the video. Say, I, can't, didn't I? No, I can't drink anything. I can't drink because <laughs> I've got the meeting. I've got to. I've got to chair a meeting. Oh yeah. So I'm. I'm taking it that after said meeting, you just hammered it. Well, yes, you're right. Do you know what? I'd completely forgotten. Completely forgotten. I, I remember going to see you and Jonathan and, and ruining your video because I'd already had quite a few. No, we won't do it. I don't think there was any Did video. We? Did you do one? You might have done one. I don't know. I, I do remember I ruining you had time. It was the time before that Clayton came. You ruined the. Video. I ruined that one because I was so oh, drunk. Yeah. So I'm, get, I'm getting, I'm getting my drunkness and meeting you two muddled up. But you're right. I had completely forgotten that I did actually have a supporters trust meeting. Hence, I was in the Atlas. Hence, I was with Dan, and I caned it through the meeting. That's for sure. Because I don't think I would have been chairing it because I wasn't the chairman anymore. And then, of course, Dan just basically kept pouring beer down my throat. And then we went off somewhere. We found about two or three pubs in, in, in Earl's Court. And I met up with loads of people like Richard Weeks, We're the Shed Boys. A lot of the Yanks were over. And it got very messy. Anyway, you, you, you lot haven't tuned in to listen to, you know, tours around the pubs with Chidge getting drunk. You, you really want to hear about Southampton versus Chelsea. So we shall get on with that. And the first thing I want to bring up with, actually, I'm going to talk to Clayton uh, first on this one. Because Steve mentioned it, I've been reading about it, and actually, you know, Jonathan and I talked a lot about this on Monday, basically saying, we've done really well under Tuchel, and he seems a really good guy, and I like what he's doing, but we haven't really played anybody with any ambition whatsoever. Now, I'm not necessarily saying that Southampton are going to have much ambition, but what we do know is that they like a press, they like a high press, and Barnsley, a bloody championship side, no less, as Tuchel admitted in his press today, have given Chelsea the hardest game under his management precisely because that's what they did. And we know Southampton will do that. So should we be a little bit worried about that, Clayton? Yes. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, basically, you know what I think. They've lost six in a row. We've won five at their place in a row. It just... Pure mathematics tells you what's going to happen, but I don't. I, I know what you're saying that we haven't actually played anybody with much ambition, and the only team we did play with any ambition, Barnsley, created quite a few chances. The thing that bothers me about, and I, I haven't been on, on. I don't think I've been on the fan cast since Frank's gone. The thing that bothers me is the fact that. We seem to have stopped creating chances. We seem to have stopped our, our shots per game 
seem to have drastically reduced. So if we do play an opponent who has a go at us and perhaps scores a goal against us, um, I, I mean, that's that to me is more of a worry than us being pressed because you can't actually, if you think about it, Chef Yu pressed us a lot at the beginning of that game. They really came at us. They really put us under pressure. And most of us on social media spent the first half moaning like spoiled bitches that we are, that you had to take Jorginho off because it wasn't his sort of game and he's, you know, he should never play when they're being horribly pressed. But uh, to give everybody their credit, they sorted it out and we actually managed to win that game. Um, so I think, you know, Tuchel has come across as an intelligent guy and has made substitutions when he's needed to. Um, so, yeah, I am concerned about the press, but I'm more concerned about the fact that for whatever reason, and it might be for the reason that uh, our creative players are not on the pitch at the moment, that, that we're not actually creating that much in front of goal. I mean, I, I don't know what you think. Has, has defence benefited as a consequence of that, do you think? Well, I've got, Jonathan, I, I've, got, I've got some stats here from uh, Rick's wonderful, um, you know, thing he does in uh in uh in on the chelsea the website. On the website thank you and there is a, a stat here that our, our under tuchel our goals conceded have gone down from 1.2 to po- 0.2 but our goals scored have gone down from 1.7 to 1.4 so yes i mean just to pitch this in jk i'd, I'd slightly disagree with clayton on, in one aspect i think we are I mean, he's right. He said it, didn't he, last weekend? I, I, we are, we're creating more, more, more than enough chances. <laughs> what we can't do, as you like to say, is hit the back of the net. They can't put them in, mate. That's the trouble. No, I think we've established nobody can shoot. So what's the chance? Well, of, of, from three yards, let alone from 30. Oh, indeed, indeed. <laughs> well, no, you hope, well, Mount can shoot, but seems his radar seems to be yeah. off. Adoy. Um, can shoot, but seems just to want to park the final ball. He wants to play it wide. To Kovacic. To Kovacic. Well, no, whoever's coming in on the right. Kovacic. There or even, yeah, James. It's always bloody Kovacic, mate. Well, yeah, but yeah, no, Kovacic is always the one in front of goal. And we're all going, shoot. No! Oh, my God, no, it's Kovacic. Oh, no. Um, so, uh, it's Peter Sick injured again, isn't he? So, what? Well, that, that's it? interesting, isn't it? Because he's picked up another injury in training here. I, I, <sighs> It really fills my heart with absolute sadness. He was oh. such a good player last year. Our, our best player, arguably. Can I just ask a question here? Do you think it's possible that you might end up with Havertz never, ever making it? With just he doesn't, he can't find a position for him and he never, ever achieves a standard and, and just stays with us for a couple of years and hardly ever plays. No, I... I because I, I, there are some players that, that, that haven't gone to the club and done that. Yeah, you know, yeah. Never... They've just never quite managed. Yeah, it's not been... trained on, as they say in the game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, d- no. Can I, can I just yeah, go, back course, to your, go on, go on, go on, Clay. Your thing about the fact that um, we are creating chances. We are creating chances, but our shots on target yeah, is nothing. an all-time low. I mean, we're not creating clear-cut chances. I mean, I just... I think there's a bit of a logjam, and I, I, you know, I think the the clever little balls that Ziyech can play in, and the clever little balls that Havertz can play in, is is what we're missing at the moment. The Pulisic thing, I, I don't get. I really, really don't get. I don't know. 
there, there's real echoes of uh, Arjun Robin here. There really is the the sort of the the minuscule little injuries. I mean, watching the press con uh, conference today, where basically he said he felt something in his calf. It's not an injury, but we didn't want to take the risk. What the fuck does that mean? It's an awareness. It means we now know what it, that's called. It's an awareness. I've got an awareness in my soul. I'm not willing to put my bollocks on the line. That's what it is. Well, I I think it's mental, Clayton, and I've been saying this on the show for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks, as you would expect me to do knowing what I do. I think he... I mean, if you want to make an analogy, I mean, look what a great player Michael Owen was before he started to pull his hamstrings regularly, which he did. I mean, he was still a great player afterwards, actually, but... He suddenly got plagued with injuries, and that is one of the real problems when you when you really rip your hamstring. But of course, if you're a player that relies on speed, as Michael Owen was, and I think Christian Pulisic is, it's always in your mind. If I go into overdrive, am I going to pull my hammy again? And I have a feeling that's playing. Do you actually think that that's contributed to his? insipid performances and I do apologize yes, to no, anybody I do. from America and it's not anti-American or anti-Pulisic but he's he's been can very I say poor. He's... Can I say it because I'm consistently rude about people and nobody, <laughs> everybody objects to me saying it so I'll say it. You could be our punch bag JK. Yeah I'm happy to do that Clayton I'm happy I agree I, I agree with you completely Clayton he's been um, he's been woeful this quarter season. Quarter of the player, an eighth of the player he was last year. Absolutely. His final ball has been non-existent. Yeah, he's. I don't know what it is. I, I mean, mental, I think it's actually unfair it's to compare balls. him with Robin. Unfair to compare him with Robin because Robin kept being clattered, and you know, like he was taken out. That yeah, but he was a bit Dutch, wasn't it? If he broke a fingernail, he wouldn't play. It was a touch. Well, but then of course he, he when he got transferred, which Kenyon said was great business for what was it, twelve million. Um, wow. His dad then put him on, a, on a, a, an intensive training um, regime, and whether he altered his game a bit, because as, as I said before, that ability he had from ghosting in from the left, just by t- one turn in speed, curl it into the top corner, was just absolutely trademark. That but, it but he, he did exactly the same at Real Madrid as he did at us, and it wasn't until he went to Bayern. Fine, that's so right. he actually turned into the fantastic player that the, we all knew the, he was. The brilliant, the brilliant. He, he, he was better at Bayern. Um, I mean, I, I take your yeah. point about Real Madrid, but he was a better player after he left Chelsea than he was for us, and he was pretty bloody good for us. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be like a broken record here. I'm gonna be stubborn with this. I absolutely think it's mental. I think you, we, as mere mortals, really do underestimate the. You know, when, when when you think about elite football players, um, you know, none of us were elite. I know Jonathan was good, and I know you were good in goal. I've I've always said I was shit, but you know, we are not. We were not elite players. When you talk about elite football, the margins uh, between success and failure are so small. So if you're off your game by a percentage point or two, whether it be fitness, mentality, or whatever, it makes a difference. So I think if you're mentally not 100%, it can affect your game. And I think that's what's happening. I mean, even to the extent, Clayton, where it might even be that he's so desperate to prove that he's over his injury that he's trying too hard. And then when you try too hard, you tighten up. And when you tighten up, you don't pass the ball to the person that you, you know, as accurately as you were wanting to. I think there's a lot going on with him. I think there's actually a lot going on with a lot of these Chelsea players. I wonder how how good 
or anything about um, Chelsea's sports psychology department because I, I just I just don't know. I don't know who they use or if they use anybody, but I'll tell you what, they bloody well need to because a lot of these players, I think, could do with some psychological support because it's coming through. I mean, Hudson-Odoi took a long time to start getting his confidence back, and he is now. Pulisic is a worry. Havertz with his post-COVID fitness. I think there's mental issues with that. Werner and his confidence in front of goal, although, bless his heart, and I know it might upset JK, I think the one thing, I mean, I mentioned it weeks and weeks and weeks ago, didn't I, JK? I think that, I think that, and we had an argument about it, because you said he was sulking, and I said, no, 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 no. I think he's he's got that Germanic arrogance and swagger. It's it's more of a look of disbelief. So the ball is not doing what it is supposed to do for me. <laughs> and I, I have two left feet. And one yes. of them has fallen off. The ball is supposed to do what I tell the ball to do, which is to go in the back can, of the can net. You, can you just tell me, can you just tell me how lovely was his smile after the yeah. VAR review was completed yeah, after his goal? Because you just thought, this is this is exactly what's going to happen to him. He scored yeah. a goal and they're going to take it away from him. I was convinced. His face though. afterwards was just astonishing. It was fantastic. It was really, really good. I'm really pleased for him. Because he has, love him. he has worked his nuts off. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, it was easy for him against Newcastle because there was nobody putting pressure on him. But yeah, he worked hard. You can only play what's in front of you and, and the guy... We, we shouldn't all go, yes, he's back. Let's just no, I, I think that would be, be wrong to do. But I do actually think that he will be one of those players who will be much better in his second season. Yeah. Because I do actually think there is a, a, a really good player there. Um, Unless he's swapped for Haaland. No, I think Unless you'd have him and Haaland. Haaland. I don't think Werner will go. Uh, if if they get Haaland, it'll be Tammy and and or Giroud that will will make way. Well, Giroud's basically on. As he he's basically this is the last year, isn't it? Of his contract. I will be astonished if he's here beyond the summer. Yeah. Yeah. So because he's not mobile enough, but he's, well, he's just he's such also a getting old, mate. Yeah. yeah, he's a good yeah, player. I mean, true. I love I love the bearded genius. Um, J.K. I'm going to go back to the question you asked about Havertz. Um, actually, I I I'm not worried about Havertz. I I providing providing the club and the supporters are patient with this kid because, as I said, he's 21, 22. He's really still quite young in many respects. And then the whole country, the new country, and all of the other mitigating factors that we've discussed ad infinitum. I think he'll be okay. I think we'll, we'll, we'll once they figure it out, once, they, once he's settled into the side and they can find a way to, you know, fit him in, he'll be okay. I'm less worried about him making it at Chelsea and not disappearing into obscurity than I am Pulisic. I'm very, very worried about Pulisic because if he, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a fact of life that he's injury prone. He's picking up injuries left, right and centre at Chelsea, whether they're, you know, psychosomatic or not, it's it's immaterial. They're, they're stopping him from playing games for this club. They have done since the moment he arrived. So physically, there are questions to be asked. And I also think mentally too. And it really worries me because I think he's such a superbly talented player. I mean, good God, as I said, you know, Mount, Mount aside, he was he was our best player last year. He was certainly our most exciting and penetrative player last year. I want to see that kid like that playing for Chelsea because I tell you what, if he does, we're going to win a darn sight more matches than we don't. I hope for him for this season. It's a consequence, well, didn't we? He was so good last year. 
It happens, doesn't it? It's football, mate. Come on, you you know, you, me and Clayton, of all people, we've been around a long time. We've watched a lot of football, a lot of players come and go. And you're right, mate. It does happen. You know, you get these players that come in and they're fantastic and then a few things happen, injuries, mentality, environment, what have you, and it just doesn't happen for them. I really hope it doesn't, but I'm worried, I'll be honest with you. I'll always quote Derek Kevin at you. You love Derek. You love quoting Derek Kevin. Before yeah. my time, mate. I don't think I was even born. Before everybody's time. Everybody listening to this before Clayton's time, before, before, I don't know. I'm going to throw a really random thing. It's just popped into my head, but it's really apposite given that you two are on the show tonight. But um, I actually, I don't really watch a lot of TV anymore because I really don't like TV. It's mostly full of absolute crap. So I, and I'm I'm too busy to kind of save things on Netflix and Prime. But because I've had the week off, I did. And I found this documentary, which I watched last night called Three Kings which is about Matt Busby, Bill Shankly and Jock Steen. And I have to say it was apps, even if it was Man United, Liverpool and Celtic, who cares? It was about three greats of the game who, you know, really did so much to create the Liverpool, Man United and Celtic that, that we, we've had to endure for God knows how long. I, I recommend it to anybody. But you know what? The, th- the thought popped into my head, which is why I'm bringing it up right now. Because, because they made the big thing of the fact that um, all three of them had been born within thirty miles of each other near Glasgow, um, you know, and as and, and Ferguson, of course, was born there too. And it just there could have been a fourth, and it should and could have been Tommy Doherty. If we hadn't a fucking sack Tommy Doherty in '68 or whenever it was, he could have been our Busby or Jockstein or, or Bill Shankly. I think discuss. Well, I think he had a a, um, a, a, a desire to, to self-implode in a way that uh, the others didn't. Um, uh, well, Shankly was pretty combustible. Yeah, but he seemed to get his way as a result of the, the combustibility. Um, I, I think I think the major difference, from my understanding, of the position is the people that ran those clubs. I mean, they 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 were sort of you know. Back in the day, they weren't football people. They were all businessmen. And I think that our businessmen weren't quite as good as their businessmen. I, I don't know if you've read the David Peace book about Shankly, which is like a, a fictional sort of recounting of what happened with him. But, yeah, I mean, you're, it's, it's a really good thing. But, you know, it's all ifs and buts, and I know that, sort of we're, we've moved on but I just have always thought that if Jose had stayed for about 10 years where we would have been yeah. um I mean we might have been in in the southern conference but, <laughs> you know but I just think that's I don't know it's it's really difficult and I, I yeah I, I agree I mean I mean, I was very, very young then. I, I was only just getting into it, so I didn't realise the impact. I mean, obviously, reading Tim Roll's wonderful book is sort of—it's one of those terrible stories where you know that it's going to have a really shit ending, but <laughs> you have to read it anyway. But do you um, want to think that a, that a man, but Shankly or or, or um, any of the others, would have uh, um, decided to punish players because of uh, because they'd gone out supposedly a bit late and uh Shanky and then would steen and... would they were all disciplinarians the, yeah, so you have to, to think the, but to i mean the, to the detriment of the team winning the winning no title. no no because you, you basically well, had to, which you did the whole that. busby uh thing with george best 
Yeah. Where George Best would turn up when he fancied it, but Busby would put an arm around him, wouldn't he? He wouldn't, you know, wouldn't dig him out and sort of try to look after him. Um, but no, yeah, I, I, I mean, that was, I mean, you know, on one hand, what Doherty did was exactly correct. On the other hand, it, it just wasn't. It was, uh, I mean, the, you the, know, the, the wait, wait till the end of the season to punish them. Yeah, and he should have he should have um, dealt with Venables in a way that didn't yeah. mean they were continue to each other's necks, and uh, and he got rid of Bridges for no apparent reason either. And um, I but mean, I was nevertheless, nevertheless, um, yeah. other than the obvious, uh, you know, comparisons because they're all Scottish and everything. I think it it is worthy of of comparison because if you look at you know, I mean, it was just really fascinating watching it. You know, Man United, Liverpool winning titles and cups in a kind of a four or five year spell in the 60s. Chelsea were there and thereabouts all, that, all throughout that entire period. We were always top five. You know, we were there or thereabouts. And it just makes you think, you know, I mean, certainly with the way that United fell away in the early 70s and actually. You know, the legacy of Doherty's team was the fact that we won the FA Cup and then we won the European Cup Winners' Cup. And actually, we weren't far away in the league that year as well. I mean, if we'd have kept Doherty and he had stayed for as long as Busby, Steen and, and uh, Shankly did at Liverpool, we might, well have, we might well have got there in the end. But anyway, we'll never know. We'll never know, will we? One thing we do know is that we have got Southampton tomorrow, a match that I'm going to really miss not being there for, as I'm sure anybody who normally goes will be. Um I mean, the key thing really is, is you know, I think we're fairly solid in defence, although the press does worry me. And what, you know, maybe this is the time we come up against a team who will give it a go. And that worries me, particularly if we play Jorginho and, uh, and, uh, and, and Kovacic. But, you know, JK and Clayton are right as well. We've got to stick the ball in the net. How, how are we going to stick the ball in the net, JK? Well, he may have learnt if he's the kind of tactical... Um, genius. I mean, Hasenhutl, by the way, will yeah. he knows Tuchel and us very well. I'm expecting him to be far more tactically astute than any of the teams that we've played thus far under Tuchel. Well, at the same... What, even Jose? Yeah. I don't think he's got, got a clue anymore, mate. He, he just parks the bus. That's all he does. Yeah, there seems to be something, some mis- misconstruction. Mis- there's something going on there between him and the players. But no, I, I if... It, surely they will have worked out ways of dealing with the press since the Barnsley game. Surely, surely they'll play the ball over the top. Surely they won't tap the ball round the edge of the area as they did again, which was just absolutely um, horrific to watch when the opposition is pressing. So you try and play the ball out of the penalty area in in short stabs to each other. And, it, it, you know, it, the most elementary way of playing is to play the ball long. And... and um, that may be Southampton's undoing, or he may not. They may still be in a state where they can't press in the same way. So, in which case, perhaps they'll defend more. I think it depends how they set up as well. And he may not play the three; he may play the four because he's ended up playing the against Barnsley. He played the uh, the four in the second half. Forty-three-one. Yeah, and it and it seemed to work very well. I mean, well, I'm intrigued was, yeah. to, to see the the status of Kante in this at the moment. Did you notice the 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 end of the game when Kante played the other day? How he went up to him and sort of rubbed his arms as if whether Kante has been saying, I'm not playing very well enough or I'm not doing everybody else. He put his arm round. He gave him like a kind of massage to try and say to him, you know, bewildered what he was doing, saying, it's all right. You're going to be all right. Because whether there's a confidence thing or he doesn't feel he's playing very well or something, 
but he's not looked the same player at all in this environment, Kante. And I'm not convinced he's going to start again. If he plays the three, he'll start again with with um, Kovacic and Jorginho. But will he? Will he? Or will he think right? They're going to press. I'm going to play. I'm going to play four to start off with in the back. I mean, I I think it's dependent. They, on, on what, what the setup's going to be. I mean, that, that's an interesting point, isn't it, Clayton? And of course, every week we talk about this and we think, oh, you know, Tuchel changes everything and he's like really adaptable and flexible and he takes account of the opposition and every week he plays the same, you know, three, uh, three, four, two, one. So, so you know, but I, I take JK's point. It, it, we don't really know what he's going to do. We'll just have to wait and see until tomorrow, I suppose. I mean, you said earlier that we're solid in defence. Well, the only reason we're solid in defence is because we've got seven well, defenders. Absolutely, you know, and, and and that is why we we sort of have gone off well, the ball. We had front. we had nine in the second half against Newcastle. I know it's just it it's not great to watch, but I mean it's it's acceptable because he's learning about his players on the job. It's basically I think that we can play like this until the end of the season, till he sorts himself out who he wants, who he wants to keep. And who wants to get rid of? I think, you know, if you do have that pressure, you're quite right. I mean, it was just not rocket science, was it? Everybody was screaming at the telly against Barnsley. Just welly the ball. You know, it was a cabbage patch. You just had to knock the ball over the top. And we, and we weren't doing it. And I didn't really understand that. Um, I felt awfully sorry for Ziyech because, I mean, he was awful. But this is a guy who relies on touch and pace of the ball and what have you. And I just think it was a, a, a very strange decision to play him. I mean, it was like, and I don't mean to be disrespectful, but going to be, but it was like he was managing by numbers. X, Y and Z haven't played, so they'll have to play. And ZH was one of those. And I would much rather have seen ZH play against Newcastle, you know, at the bridge on a proper surface than have him plodding around. I mean, he didn't help himself because he was utter bollocks that night. He I was think he really, picked really up an injury too. Him. He had three players on him yeah. every time. But bit, yeah, absolutely. But so he shouldn't have played, you know, maybe, I, I don't know. That, that, that to me was a bit management by numbers. But we'll see. The, I, I think the interesting thing, the really interesting thing is going to be the team that he picks to play Atleti, yeah, because that is going to be his first eleven, mm, yeah. without a shadow of a doubt. He'll he'll fiddle about with it tomorrow, without a doubt. Uh, but when we see the team against Atleti, that is going to be what after a month in charge, Thomas Tuchel's first well, eleven. I think you're right, Clayton. And if I'm Thomas Tuchel, you know, I mean, all these really, really good, shrewd, technical, tactical managers you would expect them to be plotting away way ahead in terms of games. And I mean, you know, it doesn't take a genius to figure out that the biggest game on the horizon when he turned up was going to be Atletico. That's going to be the, the benchmark, really. That's going to be the barometer of where we are. So if I'm too cool, then I'm, I, you know, every single game leading up to that, yes, of course, I'm trying yeah. to pick up points here and there because, of course, you've got to get in the top four. But I'm I'm thinking ahead to that game. Who are the players that can go and do a job for me in a very, very, very tough couple of matches against Atletico, so I, I have you absolutely right. I wouldn't be surprised if there might be some, uh, some, uh, some surprising selections tomorrow, perhaps, with that in yeah, mind. I, I, I think that's, I think that's right. I mean, I, you know, if you, 
you talked about Fergie and, and, and it's sort of well known, isn't mm. it? That Fergie would yeah. tell players, you're not playing today because you're playing in two weeks time or yeah. you're playing in this game. Yeah. yeah. So whether he's doing that now, um, it'll be interesting. I think there is a good chance. I mean, subject to his fitness, that Havertz will play at some stage uh, on uh, tomorrow. Do you think Ziyech will play tomorrow? No. No. It was quite interesting, actually, in the press conference when he was asked about Ziyech. And he said, it's totally my fault. <laughs> he said, the, you know, he more, he more or less said, the only reason he's not playing is because I'm not picking him, which is a fairly obvious thing to say. But it didn't sound like he. it's his sort of player. I mean, if we go back to the whole Frank thing and the whole who bought who in the summer, you have to ask the question that if they knew they were going to get Havertz, would they have bought Ziyech? And my my feeling is no, they wouldn't. And I think that's a real problem. I think one, I think Ziyech could well go in the summer, which is a great shame. It is a bit, but of course, I mean, what we all forget, uh, you know, because he, 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 he basically pitches a good game, just too cool. He's a very, very bright man. And it's all, yes, we're going to attack at every opportunity and score lots of goals because that's what the supporters like. But actually, he's... An... Bah, 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 after Ottawa. Yes, he is. But that's the point. <laughs> Did somebody accuse you of having a Swedish accent? No, I, I, said, I said Welsh. But, I mean, the point is is that he is not that guy. He is not some cavalier, Bielsa-like manager. He is, you know, I wouldn't say he's an, an automaton. Uh, but, you know, this is he comes from the country of craft work. It's very scientific. It's incredibly pragmatic. The whole press is designed with forethought, but it also requires that players put in a lot of energy and work hard. It's working hard. That is the order of the day. And old, old, old lovely old Hakim Ziyech, he no want to run back and track back, mate. He's a luxury no, player. You know, if there's that true. wonderful, wonderful thing they had on Match of the Day, f- forgive me, I can't remember. It might have been against uh, Burnley or even Wolves, where he was caught high up the pitch and they actually managed to single him out on the camera shot and you could see him kind of looking can I be asked to go back and chase that? Nah, it's gone. I'll tell you what it reminded me of. We've all done this playing cricket. You know when the ball goes kind of near us and we could dive but we can't be asked and we go, we point, don't we, to the next fielder. That's yours. Yeah, look, you're all giggling. We've all done it. That was basically the football equivalent. That's what Hakim Ziyech did. So I don't think you're going to get a shift out of him in that and I think that Tuchel doesn't like that. Yeah, fair point. Yeah, there we go. All right, come on then. Let's nail our colours to the mast. JK, what's the score going to be? 4 1. Four, fear 1. 1 5 by Fear. 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 Yes. So there yeah. you go. 4, yeah, four I, 1. Bloody hell, mate. Yeah, Who's going to bang the ball in the net? Four I times. Don't know, somehow it'll go in. Werner, score a hat trick. All right, I love your optimism. You just, you never ever cease to delight me. 4 1 to JK. Uh, Clayton, I expect a far more uh, pragmatic answer from you. You won't like it. Go on then. One all. One all. That's very pragmatic. Possibly too pragmatic, but I'll I'll take it. Yeah, one all. So JK says 4-1. Clayton says one all. I'm going for 2-1. That's what I put in the Prem Predictions League this week, so I'm sticking with that. Because I just can't see us scoring oodles of goals at the moment. I, there's something, there is something not functioning, which I do not understand. Whether it's, it's the system whether it's the midfield, which it quite possibly could be, 
whether it's they can't shoot well there's the shoot the not being able to shoot but uh, there's something not quite there's something missing not quite firing at the moment it could be form it could be fitness for a lot of the players up front confidence who knows but i you know i I do think and i keep saying that i said it to adam the other week i think somebody sometime some sooner or later we are going to absolutely throttle a team I really do think we will. But, but that, that team should have been Newcastle for well, some reason, irrespective of the fact that they came out at half-time and actually pressed us for 10 minutes. We should have basically, they should have been dispatched, four, five, what have you. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's, you know, for whatever reason, we're not creating as much as we were. And I don't care what anybody says and what statistics say. You know, you think about the amount of fantastic positions that Callum Hudson-Odoi got himself into on Monday night. And, and, and wide. The, Kept laying and, it wide. And just the crosses, his decision-making was just all over the place. I mean, I, I know we've kind of technically stopped, but I'm enjoying this so much that I've got one more question. It's just such a delight to see you again, Clayton, and talk football with you. But... It seems to me that we've got this perennial bloody Chelsea problem that we've had stinking the place out for the last few years. We can only do one of two things. We can either defend well or we can attack well. What we don't seem to be able to do and what we've not actually been able to address for the last, I'd say, three seasons is to do both. Well, yes, apart from one absolute standout performance, which was probably the highlight of Frank's reign, was the away game at Tottenham. When we won 2-0, when we absolutely played them off the park, we should have got about four that day and and we defended brilliantly. Yeah. yeah. That that was that was a really, really good performance. But I, th- I think the main thing is there's no consistency. And the only team that's consistent at the moment is Manchester City because they've won all these games in a row. But Nobody talks about the fact that up to winning all those games in a row, Man City weren't consistent either. It is just down to consistency. And these players are knackered, both physically and mentally. The, The prime example was that, you know, I try not to watch too much football, but every time there's like a game that I think I want to watch, I'll watch it if it's not a Chelsea game, you know, like a so called big game. The standard of football is shite. I watched PSG play Barcelona the other night, which was the best football I've seen this season and probably last season as well. The actual wins of play and the, this, it was it was great. And I just think that players are tired. I, I think, you know, it's it's overkill now. I think everybody's knackered mentally, physically, and it's just a really poor product. It's a very good or point that we're just not good enough. Oh, well, undoubtedly, yeah, not good yeah. enough. I think, I think, I think we'd all we we would all be prepared to 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 admit that, J.K. And I think we have on this show. We we've been very we've been very honest. I I, I do think um, I I do think Clayton makes an excellent point there, and I, and I think it's something for us to remember too, because you know we grew up we because we're all quite old. We all grew up seeing the best sides over the last fifty years basically being drawn from a, a squad of 14 players. So you knew your best side and you played it every week until one of them got injured and then somebody would come in and that's how it worked. That ain't going to work in 2021 in the current situation we're in. 
I think we need to get our noodle around the fact that it really is a 24 squad game, particularly this season. And what, and then I think there that feeds into what you were saying, JK, is that we may, and I think we've said this again, haven't we, over the last few seasons, we've got a good kind of 14, 15 group of players, but have we got a really good group of 24? goes back to what you always say to me, JK, about Mourinho wanting two world-class players in every position, and we haven't got that. Well, it, it may be that we actually haven't even got enough world-class players in the eleven. Well, I think that's a given, but you know what I mean. I mean, I, I... No, but I know, but I, I, I'm <clears throat> perhaps you've just got to face facts, and mm. that Tuchel is trying to make, um, you know, a, a silk purse out of a, a pig's what's it, you know. So um... a sow's ear. Yeah, sorry, I, 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 I knew I was supposed to say that, but I, I, I missed the moment. Sorry about that. Sounds yeah, pig's purse. Say it in German. Silk purse out of a silk purse. Silk purse out of. No, God, we must stop this. We must stop these terrible stereotypes. No, um, I think it's. I, I love it. Okay, I, silk purse any, out of. I, don't, I really don't care. I, I mean, as, 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 as what's her name, melanoma. Sorry, Melania Trump. I really don't care, do you? Uh, I'm right. Silk. I'm going to. I'm going to find you what the German translation is. Silk purse. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Out of a sow's ear. Let's see if Google can do it. Oh, oh, brilliant! It's a Seidenhandtasche aus einem Sauernor. There we go. You learn a little bit on the Chelsea fancast well, every that's week. Good to know. It's Thank good you. to know. I could have even given you the uh, the, the wonderful thing is I can't I, I haven't got the microphone on it because they quite quite often Google Translate will actually give you the real pronunciation of that. Anyway, it's I'm a not... shame it's just called the preview show rather than the more more elusively titled. But it's been a bit. Of, yeah, it's been a bit of a long one tonight because how to learn German? We've yeah, cheated. we've kind of wandered off piste quite a lot, uh, but that's because I I just enjoy talking football with you both so much. And as I said, I've missed you, Clayton. You were right. The quirk of the schedule was that you got in really early for that schedule, and you're kind of right at the end. So that's why we haven't seen yeah. you for a few weeks. But uh, there'll be and, a- I, and I I swapped with. Um... Dane, didn't I? Because he had that emergency. You did indeed. But uh, there'll be a new schedule coming out next week, so keep your eyes peeled. Now, um, you lovely people out of Mixler, as always, it's been a delight having you join us. Sorry we haven't really engaged with you too much. Uh, We've been too busy uh, enjoying each other's company. Uh, But we've enjoyed the show tonight. I hope you have too. Uh, JK and myself will be back on Monday evening for the usual Chelsea fancast, and we will be joined by, oh my God, watch out everybody, batten down the hatches. The return of the Smut Buddies, Tony Glover and Alex Churchill as a combo. Oh, my God. Uh, And we'll be looking back at the match against Southampton, obviously, and also looking ahead to the massive Atletico Madrid match coming up next week. So there you go. Uh, Clayton, delightful to see you, mate. Uh, Stay safe and well uh, and have a beer on me. Thank you. Good to see you, I as will. always. I've just yeah. had one. Lovely. Good boy. That's what I like to see. Love to everybody. Yeah, you too, keep man. Keep safe. You too. Love to keep well. And as for you, Mr. Kidd, lovely to see you, as always. Thank you. Joy to be on the show. Thank you very Absolutely. much. Absolutely. I'll see you See thee on Monday. I will. You probably will probably converse, all three of us. Uh, oh, we will. Or uh, whatever. Or Discord, even. Or Discord, even, yes. Now you are there as JK Rovers. Indeed, I am. Which is my first Sabutio team. Was it really? Well, that the people the people who are in our Discord group are absolutely loving it. By the way, they, they, I've been I haven't had time to really talk to them much today, but they've been full of convos and they're absolutely loving it. But they love particularly match day, apart from the ones that are in there 
from the States because they're about a minute behind. So, ah, so they can't they can't enjoy that very much. <laughs> no, they are they are enjoying it hugely as are, as am I. If you want to if you want to join our Discord group, by the way, all you have to do is sign up uh, to our Patreon, which is Patreon dot uh, com forward slash Chelsea uh, fancast. You only have to bung in a, a dollar a month. I mean, we're not we're not greedy, but uh, you do that, I'll immediately send you the Discord link, and of course, uh, you will get your name on the list for a Kerry Dixon mini banner as well. And I will send them anywhere in the world. So there you go. Right, we really ought to go. We've offended your ear rolls long enough. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Clayton's got the beers open. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Until then, keep it blue. Keep it carefree. Keep it chills. Have a chill! Yeah! Yeah!